Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for providing a way for everything to work out how you plan it. And just keeping your plan and helping us to go along with it and not get swollen in the head. God, I also thank you for just showing the way to complete your plans and just telling us which ways to go so it can be complete the way you like it. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 All right, well, today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 23. All right, so let's just get in the Word, okay? I'll begin reading. Says, then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kelah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kelah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kelah against the armies of the Philistines? And David inquired of the Lord once again, and the Lord answered him, and said, Arise. Go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town as gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war, to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah and destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So David and his men, about six hundred, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. And David stayed in the stronghold in the wilderness and remained in the mountains and the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God, and said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. 
So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Yes, there's a lot, and it is significant. Mm -hmm. But I will open it up to you four first to reveal whatever, or to share whatever the Spirit's revealed to you about this section of Scripture. Or ask questions if you have questions. It's okay. I kind of found it interesting that that even Jonathan knew that that sorry that day was going to become king after Saul mm-hmm. then why is that interesting because usually if you're going to become king wait sorry it's interesting because before that Saul not Saul Jonathan did did not Say that in the earlier chapters. No, he so, alluded to it, might have hinted at it, if you will, but he didn't just say it outright. Mm-hmm. So he may have had may have had some insight, some mm-hmm. inkling, or some revelation from the Lord, but not fully understanding the plan of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But now he's he's come to it with full full knowledge and revelation and has accepted the plan and can state it or confess the plan. Right? That he's come into alignment with it. Okay? What else? I found it interesting, like, how Promise was pointing out that Jonathan said he'll be by David's side, David will be king and he'll be by his side, that there was no jealousy or, like, malice on Jonathan's part because rightfully he would be the next heir if you were going by a, the world system of doing yes. things, how the other kingdoms operate. But Jonathan, that was not even a thought on Jonathan's radar. He was like, I will be beside you. I'll be your advisor. And all he ever asked of David was, have one of my heirs. Be kind to my household. Mm-hmm. Yes. Remember our bond and our covenant and carry that through the generations. Mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to point out, I found it funny how Saul could never find David, but Jonathan made his way to the forest. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. And then Saul was just marching around the mountains. Where is he hiding? Like, uh-huh. But everybody knew where David was. Everybody knew. Except for Goodness Saul. gracious, yeah, we talked about that yesterday. They're riding uh, caravans out there to him. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's over here. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's over there. Um, what else? And how in the previous chapter, David only had 400 men, but now he has 600. Like, mm-hmm. his numbers keep growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's a 50% increase right there in, well, a short amount of time. Yes. Relatively short amount of time. Mm-hmm. We don't know the specifics, but the fact that, uh, that that's already happened, the Lord provides the increase. Yes, he does. Let me see that there. But also, you brought up Jonathan and his, uh, his attitude towards David being mm-hmm. king. Um, well, 
What, is, uh, what does the New Testament say? Right? About love. It doesn't seek its own. It doesn't boast. It doesn't do anything. Right? It rejoices yes. in another. Truth. In truth. But also, yeah. when someone else is blessed. You see those same Christ-like qualities exhibited here with Jonathan. But why yeah. is that? Because Jonathan loved the Lord and he loved David. Yes. And I would say more so it was the love of God because exactly. Israel, although they had a king like other nations, God chose their king. And I, he believed that clearly because whoever God chose, that's who he sided with. Despite if he had, like we talked about yesterday, there may be times where you have to choose. Are you going to choose the Lord? Or are you going to choose this, that, or the other? Who is your choice? So Jonathan could have easily been like, well, I'm going to choose my family because this is what I think is right. But God... Right. As dad was the king, yeah. Right. And try to hold on to this thing and operate in that. But he said, no, wait, Israel is God's. Right? Yes. Yes. And as such, therefore, he chose, God chose Saul. So God can choose another if he so decides. Right? Because God is, God chose, right? Because God is God and he, is, he can do what he, he wants. He is the Lord and he respected his sovereignty as God and not putting, making an exchange. Well, well, my family's going to be more important to me. My family's, you know what I mean? And trying to usurp God's authority and put in place his fleshly bonds. He kept the spiritual bonds as more significant. What God has said is what he said. And who can fight against the Lord? Yes. So, yes, he did love David, but I think he loved God more because Jonathan was already working and acting in these things. Prior to meeting David, yes, I David. So this is Jonathan, and you know it's admirable, it's commendable that the caliber and the quality of man that Jonathan is, because mm -hmm. he's the one that was like David, I love you, and went to him first. It wasn't David coming to Jonathan; it was Jonathan going to David. And who knows what God spoke to him in the the secret times? It, Jonathan, as he's sitting before the Lord, as he's hearing hearing from the Lord Himself what kind of things God spoke to him. So clearly the Lord outlined it at some point and where he was just flat out saying it, you're going to be the king. And my dad even knows that. So. Uh -huh. What else? I found it kind of interesting, like when he said he strengthened David's hand in the Lord. Mm -hmm. I just found it interesting because instead of bringing David natural provision like food and stuff he decided to give him something that was even more important than all that mm -hmm. you say to i'd say help david's faith mm -hmm. because it encourage him and admonish him spiritually right yes mm -hmm. go ahead and finish what you were saying sweetie help david's was, faith because at the time david was i'd say kind of scared because Saul was literally seeking his life and he wasn't stopping at anything. So I'd say he was afraid. And while he still had faith in the Lord, it also still needed to be grown. Absolutely. There's definitely uncertainty. You can see that just in the first, well, we'll say five verses, just for a mm -hmm. round number, right? Mm -hmm. So looking at the first five verses, what did what did you guys get out of that? He listened to, first he asked the Lord if she could go, if he should attack. Then he listened to his men because they were afraid. So you can see that their fear was feeding, like, 
he went to go inquire of the Lord a second time just to be sure that that's what the Lord said for him to do, not going out, and he didn't hear the Lord correctly. So he went the second time to go make sure, then he went out and fought the Philistines. Absolutely. That's also a, an example for us, right? Yes. Prayer and everything, bring mm -hmm. it to the Lord first. Get mm -hmm. the game plan from the Lord mm -hmm. on whatever it is. And then listen to him. Now, yeah, he, he did the right thing. Here, David did it to bring it before his men to say, hey, this is the game plan. However, we also have to shut out doubt. Wherever it tries to creep up or plant a seed or whatever, right, mm -hmm. to sway us to not or get us to a place to not listen to the Lord, mm -hmm. to not believe in what he said. Because the Lord had already given him the plan. Now he just had to go be obedient and carry it out, execute the plan, right? Yes. But clearly there was there was some seed sown with the men. And you could view this two ways, right? The mm -hmm. seeds were sown for, by the men in their fear, which clearly we know that doesn't come from the Lord. We've discussed that many times here, you know, just in at our morning Bible study. Or there's the other aspect of, he provided an opportunity, and the Lord really provided the opportunity for David's men to come into alignment with the plan. Each one has to work out, right? The scripture tells us each one works out their own soul salvation. Each one has the opportunity to come into alignment with the plan and be obedient or not. Mm -hmm. So this that happens here, right? You can look at it that way as well. So that happens here with the men, or David's soldiers. And David still brings it back before the Lord again, yeah. just to verify, which is, this is okay. Did mm -hmm. I hear you correctly, Lord? Right, because there's, there's the other aspect of, if the Lord told me something, and you also brought it before the Lord, he's probably told you the same thing, long before I came and told you, right? Mm -hmm. yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm sure there was also some uncertainty there with David of, wait, how come not everyone else has already come into alignment with this? Like the shit have already happened. Mm -hmm. So David brings it before the Lord again, to verify. And then he clearly commands his, his troops, his, his soldiers, his people, we're going down to do this thing. And now they have to work that out on the journey down there. Have to, as they get their mind right, come into alignment with the plan, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, and yes. you, I mean, you can see that they did because they went right, yes. and and they fought and they won, so they didn't go and stand there. But um, I wanted to talk about something along the same lines of what you were saying, sweetheart. Okay, so. It's like you said. It is okay that he asked God again because he wasn't going. God, are you sure? That's not the same thing as going. Okay, Lord, let me. You know, they still have concerns. Let me make sure I heard because it gives them peace of mind as well. Like, nope, I asked again. I made sure this is what I heard, and then everybody can come into agreement and alignment, like you said, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. But we talked about over the last couple of days how God was teaching David to trust him in a new way, to follow him in a new way, and you see him coming into this. So at this point, he's going, okay, this is, this is the first um, 
fight that David's having after he's been out in exile for a while and his family, he's gotten them settled, his parents and whatnot, and that, his household on that sector, gotten them settled, and now he's starting to get his, his bearings about him. But God, asked, you know, he's training him to trust him in a new way. So it's normal, like when you first start coming to hearing the voice of the Lord, right? You hear God telling you, and you ask God, what's your opinion on this? How do you feel about it? And then God answers, agree with him. And you can see that David agreed with God because he went and told them, this is the plan. Now, there is safety in a multitude of counsels, counselors, right? Yes. Yes. In the multitude of counsel. There's safety. That, that's scriptural. However, if the multitude of counsels doesn't align with the Lord, who are you going to choose, right? And then yes. what you would do in that case is go, okay, Lord, help them minister to their hearts so that we, we can be in agreement and go and do what you called us to do. Like between Absolutely. a husband and a wife, if God is speaking to one and the, the other spouse hasn't quite heard it yet or gotten the message that the Lord has been trying to communicate, because you're right, sweetheart, if God is talking to me about something that you're supposed to be doing, he's talking to you. And if he has not communicated that, then somebody needs to check their, their listeners. <laughs> but if he's going, yes, if God is going, yes, I said this, I told you this, then there should be an expectation that he's spoken to the other person because God doesn't leave us to take care of it ourselves. He does the whole thing. He is a complete and entire God. So go, Holy Spirit, minister to your son or your daughter. You know, it's between uh -huh. husband and wives or partners, whatever you're supposed to be doing. I don't mean partners like shacking up partners. I mean business partners. You know what I mean? You're cooperating in something else. Um, and ask him to minister to their heart because it's to God to bring us into alignment to accomplish his will. Not us to persuade people or any of those kind of things, let God be who he is, but it's our job to invite him into the situation. It's our job to ask. So in this learning process for David to go, okay, they're not, they're not picking up on it, Lord. Let me come back and talk with you. He didn't go, well, you shut up, you guys, and, you know, take it in a, a way that caused dissension between his men. Or offense or any, right. anything of that nature. He behaved wisely, and he went, okay, Father, this is, I thought you said this, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm adding to it a little bit. He went back to him and said, okay, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Not in a way of, no, God, you're not right, or not even, I misheard you. He was just going, let me make sure that I heard what you said, Lord, because my heart and my intentions are to hear from you, right. not to Remind do my own Remind me of well. the plan. You see the same, mm -hmm. um, a similar thing carried out with parent, uh, Samson's, Samson's parents. parents. Mm -hmm. They got the game plan from the Lord and how they were to raise their son and all those things. And then they inquired of the Lord again mm -hmm. and asked him, hey, remind us, just so that we can fulfill our obligation to the Lord. So you see there's already them saying yes to the Lord. They've already agreed with God's plan. They've already said yes and submitted to the will of the Lord. And God understands we have natural minds. He understands us as people, and he's not like, no. You know what I mean? He, he is a good God, and he's willing to work with us to get us to the place that he desires for us to be, but he requires our faith and our obedience. So they said yes. David said yes. So coming and asking him again to make sure you got the details straight and got it right and heard the message clearly, not doubting God or questioning him, but in genuineness, just like Mary, right? Yes, God, I'll, I'll, I'll do this thing when she's talking to the angel that came to her. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord, I'll do this thing, but I don't understand, you know, like, what are the mechanics, the dynamics? Because <laughs> this is the case. This is where I am. It wasn't doubting God, but it was it was a innocent and a legit 
question that God is more than willing to answer. He loves us so much. So he's not afraid of us asking him a question or asking us checking to make sure we got it right. It's a matter of the heart. Is it a heart accusing God? Is it a heart doubting God? Is it a heart telling God he's not right and insisting on its own way? Or is it a heart that's yielded and submitted to him simply asking, Lord, okay, how do I get this done? Or I want to make sure that I, that I hear you correctly. I know that you're flawless, Lord. I know that you're infallible. And I know that you keep me along the way. Just, just help me. And he will reassure us. He will bolster our confidence and help us Absolutely. to get the job done. And he's so willing to do that. And then I like the way that the men went with them because clearly the Lord ministered to their hearts as well. Right? Yes. And they went and they got some livestock. They needed that. Well, they saved the people of the city. Yes, that was nice too. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but here's the other thing, right? And, and this, I don't know, this really stood out to me. Um, there, David recognized he could not put his trust in people. Mm-hmm. Because immediately after he saves this entire city, and you would think they'd be grateful. His concern—not uh, that this wasn't a, a natural thing, but that there wasn't cause for this concern—was him asking the Lord, "Are they going to deliver me up? Are they going to betray me?" Mm-hmm. And the Lord clearly revealed that they were. So it wasn't about putting trust in people, mm-hmm. because when everything's going good or in the moment, or that you're helping them, or whatever the case is, that, that there's a need for you, or that someone has a need, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll find that they're typically your best friends. They mm-hmm. want to be your best friend. But as soon as that's over, and now things are good again, do they really have need of you? Mm-hmm. So I say that, I say, yeah, people in the natural are fickle. Yes, they are. Right? Yes. Moment to moment. But David's strength was in the Lord. Mm-hmm. His rock, he knew the Lord is faithful. He's consistent. He doesn't change. There's no deviation or shadow of turning in him. That. He's not a man that he should lie. Mm-hmm. So whatever the Lord says, he knows his truth. So he knows where he can go, which is the Lord, mm-hmm. which is why you again see him, and this is how he patterned his life, mm-hmm. goes to the Lord again in prayer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't try to communicate or coordinate here with the people of the city. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to save me? You know, hey, Saul's on his way. No, no, no. He goes to the Lord first. That's right. And gets gets the plan from the Lord. The Lord is his help. You know, David didn't even feel entitled to them protecting him. He was talking about... Um, I just saved you. You owe me. Yeah. <laughs> There's right. none of that. But in verse 10, he says, Your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. So he's still concerned about the same thing happening that happened to the priests. You understand Ahimelech and yeah, he's, or Abiathar's dad. Where they were killed because of David, roughly, it was ultimately it was because Saul was just uh-huh. evil at that point. But David was like, my presence brought this into their life. If I hadn't gone there, you know, he accounted for that. He noticed, oh, the same, you know, this was, this was because of me. What did he say? I have caused the death of all the persons in your father, of your father's house. He said that in verse 20, um, chapter 22, verse 22, 22 right, talking to um, Abiathar. So he took responsibility for that. He was aware of the fact that his presence that day in the temple caused that today. So he doesn't want this to happen to them, but he doesn't feel, feel entitled. He wasn't like, hey, I just saved y'all. 
give me my safety money. Um, let me stay here and who cares if Saul comes, we're going to fight and fight to the death. <laughs> he didn't do that. He was tender and gentle and thought, okay, the Lord sent me here to save them. Let me really save them again by leaving if that's what's best for them. Yeah. So you, you see a high level of accountability and love at work in David where he wasn't seeking his own and he wasn't like, you guys owe me. You guys ever do that to each other? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You, you do a favor for one of your siblings and then the next time something happens, the, your mouth flies open, you owe me. And, you know, mm. you hear me and dad going, Ooh, whoa, wait a second. Time out. That's yeah. not love. Let's address that. Exactly. But he didn't do that. So that, that is certainly commendable about um, David's attitude, his humility, that he wasn't trying to take anything for himself or put others in harm's way. You know, the men that were there to fight, he rolled with his, you know, his crew. That's what they did. They fought. They, fought. they all agreed to that. But these people were not fighters, and they were just trying to exist. So, and God sent them there to, to deliver them, correct? Yes. So, he carried that out all the way. Oh, one more thing that I wanted to point out. You know, Psalm 91 Yes. Written, written by our friend here. My he, friend, David. Yeah, David. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There is something called being hidden in Christ. Being hidden in Christ Jesus. That's, that's legit. That's absolutely a thing. You can see that David is hidden in Christ, so the enemy can't even touch him. Right? Yes, we know Jesus hadn't physically come and died in the earth yet and been resurrected. However, God is still the same God. He's still who he is. He still was able to protect him much in the same way that we, when Jesus was walking in the earth, right, and they were trying to throw him off cliffs and things like that, he was hidden and able to walk right through them, right? Yeah. So God is still the God who hides us. When we are obedient, when we come under his safekeeping, under his shadow, if you will, and we let him be the boss, the big almighty God, and we become his children and his people and stay in that place, there's nothing that the enemy can do to touch us. Jesus said, you're in the palm of my hand and no one snatches you out. Who is he talking to? The father's not going to snatch you out because Jesus only did what the father said, right? Yes. The father is the one who puts you there. So he's talking about Satan. So even at this point in the Old Testament, Satan, not, Satan could not touch David, could not snatch him out, even though here is Saul cooperating with the enemy as a roaring lion. Like you can totally see this whole correlation. He's prowling around and, and you know, stomping all over the all place over with, the this, yep. with his spear in his hand and threatening folks and amassing troops and then going out, but is still blinded. There is no counsel against the Lord. There's nothing too hard from him for him. There's no place in Christ where the enemy can pluck you out of God's hand. So stay hidden in Christ. Don't come out and try to defend yourself. Don't come out in your flesh. Stay in him. Trust God. Believe him. Listen to his counsel. Be obedient. Right? Walk in love. Forgive. Those are the things that God has asked us to do, and that keeps us in a place of protection and safekeeping. Now, if David 
we talked about obedience is one of the ways that God offers divine protection to us, right? Yes. We talked about, I, I think I made an example of God saying, don't walk down that alley. And then you go, and I'm walking down that alley because you're with me, Lord. <laughs> you're disobedience. No, you're by yourself now because his presence and his grace was for walking away from the alley. You've taken yourself into the alley, right? Yes. David, when he was talking about being in the, um, the valley of the shadow of death, right? He's talking about walking where God has asked him to walk. And even though it seems like people are coming against him because he's under the shadow of the Almighty, because he's in the presence of the Lord doing what God asked him to do, right? Yes. He'll fear no evil because God is with him. The Lord being his rock and his fortress. Absolutely. So the protection, God is saying, hey, he knew, prompted him, come talk to me, son. Don't, don't go on your own. And David wasn't, he didn't want to be without the Lord anyway. You can, you can see that. Um, David inquiring of the Lord and going, okay, what's wise counsel? What are you saying? What's your grace for, Lord? I'm going to go do that. Not trying to be brash or fleshly and carnal and go, wow, I got a reason to stay here. I just saved all these people's lives. Because he probably would have gotten decimated. Because the grace was to do what God said. Not to do your own thing and say, God bless it. Any questions about that? No. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. I'm going to go to the next section, honey. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Let's start in verse 19 and go through the end of the chapter. Okay. Then the Zephites came to Saul and Gebeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds of the woods in the hill of Hachila? which is on the south of Jeshimon. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desires of your soul to come down, and your part shall be, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is, and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. See therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with certainty, with certainty, and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he is in the land, I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon. Is that right? Sounds good to me. Mom. In the plain of the south of Jeshimon. Then Saul, when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, Therefore he went back to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And then when, and when Saul heard that, he pursued David into the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called the place the rock of escape. Then David went up from there and went into the dwelling and went and dwelt in the strongholds of in Getty. Getty. Mm -hmm. Amen. That was almost like the cartoons. Right. Like they run on one side and they run on the other. <laughs> yes. yes. So what did you guys get out of that? I mean, Saul was just dumb. Like, everybody mm -hmm. found David. I love <laughs> <laughs> calling people dumb. But it's true. Like, everybody else found David. 
I heard he's very crafty. Mm. He reminds me of the coyote from Looney Tunes. I was trying to get the Roadrunner. <laughs> the Roadrunner is always escaping. Well, he's Saul is human, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you see the options that the the life and the death that's set before every human, right? Yes. Before all of mankind to make a choice and choose. Either for God you'll live or you take the opposite, right? Yes. And so Saul is in a place where his the eyes of his understanding are blinded. His eyes have been blinded by the God of the wor- of this world, right? Satan. Yes. And unfortunately, despite what the world spends so much time trying to convince you, Satan is not wise. He's not intelligent. He does not have counsel against the Lord. He does not even come close there to being no a, a matchless, a, a, a match foe for God. He doesn't. What he has is the element of tricking people who are drawn away by their own lust and then deceived. Yes. So without that, he's not, the Lord has stripped him of all his power. Even at this point, even when we look at Job, he couldn't just attack Job. Right? Even though there's spiritual laws, sin has a penalty and that penalty is death. And there are different degrees of what is what he has a right to, like we talked about the spiritual court system and whatnot. But even then, he has no power if you, rem- if you don't have sin in your life. Even at this point, before Jesus came and died, he's, he's still the same God. Mm-hmm. Right? He's still the same good God. And here's how it works. He's told them this in Deuteronomy. If you obey me, you will live. You will eat the good of the land, et cetera, et cetera. Everything your hands touches will prosper. Your enemies will come out before you one way and flee before you seven. So this blessing that's still available to us today was an act. It was available then, right? Because Abraham walked in this, the blessing of obedience that Moses articulated. He walked in it, and there was what written scripture did he have to go on? God just said, live before me and be blameless. Come and walk with me. Do what I ask you to do. Trust me, right? And we saw when Abraham went out to go rescue Lot, God gave him the victory and kept Abraham safe and gave him victory and blessed him hand over fist. Yes. Because he believed God. And he kept the things that God asked him to keep. Fair enough. So the enemy... Is not some wise strategist. No, he just tricks humans. He sees, oh, you got some lust in your life. I can come over here and fool you on it. And as long as you keep buying into it, he gets you. But he doesn't have the right to do any harm to us. And he's certainly no match for the Lord. So when he's right in his face, he needs a map drawn to see who's across the street. (laughs) So because God is... The Alpha and the Omega, right? Yes. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the best. Almighty God. There's no counsel. Like you you may prepare your chariots for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Two things. I found it interesting that Saul had said that he was crafty, that he lurked places, and that he hid. And he was using those words and made it like describing him a totally different person than he was. Like, mm-hmm. if you're hiding, you think of someone who is a coward. Mm-hmm. And David was not. He was a valiant man of war. Mm-hmm. And crafty, 
that was... You would think of a liar. Yes, there are two different kinds. Yes, there's the skill, like for art, crafty, and then there's the deceptive use of skill. <laughs> Thank you. The deceptive use of skill to attain a goal or desire that you want. That is not in line with the Lord. But isn't that what Saul's doing? Yes. So he's, so he's projecting his own nature and character onto his enemy. Uh-huh. And I'd like to point out, he said... Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. I'm going say... Like, you haven't seen the Lord in how long? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who are you blessed? But it's very interesting, right? That whole section. Because the Ziphites mm-hmm. also, I'll say tempted, but not really, because that was already Saul's stated, expressed, demonstrated desire was to kill David. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there was the, hey, we'll exchange, if you will. Right with, hey, he's right over here. We'll, we'll, if you come down here, right, associate with us, spend time with us, all right, we can work on this relationship. Mm-hmm. We'll deliver your enemy to your hand instead of coming into alignment with the Lord mm-hmm. and the Lord's plan, which was, no, David's going to be king. He's already been anointed to be king mm-hmm. just because he doesn't have sit in the, the seat yet Hallelujah. in the office and the place, mm-hmm. however you want to describe that. He's still been chosen by the Lord to be king. Instead, they rejected that. Whether it's because they didn't hear from the Lord, didn't have a relationship with the Lord to hear, right? Yes. Whatever the excuse, right, is, just for lack of a better way to phrase it, um, significant. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, the the spirit had departed from Saul. Mm -hmm. But why does he say they're blessed? I'm gone. Why does he say they're blessed? But he always blessed people. He said, Lord bless you. But he's always saying saying it to wicked people. Not always. But, but, but no, let's, let's look at what he said in chapter 22, <laughs> verse 8, right? You've all conspired against me. There's no one who reveals to me that my sons have made a covenant. Not one of you, oh, and there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals it to me. Well, so he's. You know this pity. Right. So looking for pity. Mm-hmm. Well, they're coming against me. No, Saul's the one going against everybody else. Absolutely. You've twisted the entire situation to, and, and developed a narrative that fits your perspective, even though it's false. The eyes, his eyes, the God of this world has blinded, right? Yes. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. And everybody, like, even though his, his, his guards that were with him when he struck the priest were like, what? <laughs> this isn't right. We're not going to do, do it. This doesn't make any sense. No. You know, they refused to do it. So it's significant. It is. That's an example for us. Seek the Lord on for yourself. Have your own personal, deep, intimate relationship with the Lord that He can minister to you what's right and what you should do. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. That's one of the first things He does is tells us the truth because God is not a liar. He cannot lie. So trust Him to help you see clearly, especially when the enemy starts talking and trying to whisper and cause doubt and unbelief, right? And that's how he came to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? Are you sure? Um, I, don't, you know, I don't think he meant that, you know. But yes. our job is to always draw near to God, right? Come to him, submit to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from us. 
not to entertain those kind of thoughts. She, they should have said, no, get out of here, snake. God, the snake is talking over here. <laughs> God, he's saying bad things. They should have ran and told. There's, there's Bring no, it before the Lord, in other words. <laughs> absolutely. There's no valor in you trying to do things in your own power or accord because we have a Savior who did it all for us and asked us to just take his name, right? Yes. yes. So we have a Savior. Stand under him. Come underneath God and let him, it is written, Right, if this is how our master and our Messiah address the enemy, then that should be our process as well. Abraham acted, said the same thing that God said, acted like God before him, in front of God, right? He he mimicked his behavior, calling those things that be not as though they were. Right? So God wants us to act like him. We are the body of Christ. He wants us to do what he does, not do something lesser. And yes try to call it the same thing what else did you guys get out of, there, out of that section of scripture um also with Saul and David when they were on that mountain like on the other side and then the Philistines well, Saul had to leave because the Philistines were attacking the land, and David had called the place in Getty, the mm-hmm. rock of escape. It was almost, well, not almost, but in the layout of, like, Jesus' time on earth, you had Satan who was trying to take the throne of God, and he was defeated, and he's like, no, you, this isn't for you. And then you saw in his ministry that there are people, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were trying to stop Jesus, trying to get him, trying to trap him, twist his words or do anything they could to get him and still fail. Mm-hmm. So terribly failed. And it, it's almost like that with David and Saul. Saul wanted something. He had something, but then it was taken. The kingdom was taken from him because he wasn't following the Lord, and it was given to David, mm-hmm. someone who was better than he was. And now you see Saul, like Satan, trying to take the throne from David, who is like Jesus, I'm not saying like exactly like but mm-hmm. I'm typing a shadow. Yeah, I get that. Yes. Who's like Jesus, who has a throne that is his place, that's his, where he should be. And you see both Saul and the devil trying to stop David and Jesus. Mm-hmm. They both failed. And um, I don't remember which book it is. It's um, after the Gospels where it said, had they known, they would not have never crucified the Lord of glory. Mm-hmm. And so even... With, it, with Saul and Satan trying to trap David and Jesus, they still failed because God still made a way of escape. He still mm-hmm. uh, came through with his plan, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, it, and even with that, it's like overlapping with salvation. So now uh, Jesus was set free, so then in turn could set everybody else free. Like in the past times that didn't have Jesus and the people that were in show, he went and ministered to them to give those who didn't have that chance, if they wanted to be with the Lord, they could now make that cho- choice and change over and be set free. Mm-hmm. So it was an overlapping uh, circle of salvation, if you will, from beginning first to Corinthians. end. Yes, in 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 8. Thank you, Layla. Okay. Ta- speaking about the mysteries uh, which are hidden. Uh, now we speak of the mysteries which are hidden. Mr. Oh, sorry, we speak of the mysterious and hidden wisdom of God, 
which he designed for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I love that. I love those scriptures that, you know, in in my oh. mind, you know, Lord, the Lord, Lord is flexing, flexing his muscles. <laughs> I'm like, yay! Do it, God. <laughs> flexing his muscles on him. So, and that just goes to the point when Jesus was crucified, right? Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies. And Jesus said this multiple times, right? Like, yes. right, in, right in Satan's face, because you know he's lurking around. He's stirring up all these people around him, right? Thinking they're going to kill him and get rid of him. But he said, unless a seed falls into the, gr into the ground and dies, it remains alone. Mm -hmm. But if it does, it brings forth much, much fruit. So that's like how you can get one one little apple seed brings forth a whole tree full of orchard, apples yes. and, and more seeds fall and grow and, and grow and grow and grow. So he told them in their face, you know, he did the point way back there in the, the Garden of Eden did the point. I'm getting all this back. <laughs> you know, the Babe Ruth point. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Anyway. Um, Calling the shot. Exactly, exactly, saying, I'm about to hit this home run. And he told him right in his face, and he still miss it, missed it and fell right into the hands of God's plan. So when you're thinking in your mind, God is bigger and greater than everything and everyone else. He is God Almighty, the most high God. That's why I call him that because, and Absolutely. I mean, like that's in the scriptures, but when I pray, that's one of my, I love to say that. And I do that in recognition and honor that God is above everything else. The name of Jesus has been highly exalted, right? It's the name given yes. above every name. That his name what? At the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen. He's God over everything. There's nothing that can go, ah, I got he's, more power than you. He's greater than everything. So Absolutely. If you want to see, I'll say miracles, you, I mean, you want to see... Uh, incredible events happen in your life and mm -hmm. every aspect of your life and he must be greater than everything else in your life in your perspective in your perspective mm -hmm. he must not just well, say it but it's it's knowing it it's believing, believing it having faith in him and when you put him in that place that he is greater than everything else you will see and experience incredible things You'll see the works of the Lord in your life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amen. God is good. The Bible says that we've over we overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood, what Jesus did for us, right? Is yes. his death, burial, and resurrection. And our the word of our testimony is that he is God. Right, he's our God. He's God above everything else. When you read through, like we have Psalms, right, which are the writings that David wrote as he was going through all these, these experiences, right, as he's running through, hiding in caves, sleeping wherever, having battles and whatnot. What does he always say? God is my refuge. He's my fortress. That was David's confession. God is my help. Right. Yes. All of those things. He's with me. He'll preserve me and keep me. You know, he keeps me from stumbling. He says all of those things that the, the place of the Most High God is where he dwells. He understands his confession, right? He's overcoming by the what Jesus, God is his help, right? And, but his confession aligns with that. Sometimes people feel like we, 
there are two separate gods, an Old Old Testament and a New Testament God. But he's I tell you, he's the same today yesterday, forever. today, and forever. If he were two different gods, if he had two different measures of treating us, of loving us, and how he um, operates. operates and showed us his love, then he would be different. Yes, we have a new covenant built on the blood of Jesus, but you can... The Bible tells us in the New Testament that the gospel was preached to Abraham. Which means it's the same. So, so the good news of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's the gospel. Yes. That God is for you, not against you, and he has a plan for you. Right? That is the good news. He's your healer, your deliverer. He's the one who... Um, and his plan, purpose, covenant, everything is that he will be your God and you, I, everyone. His desire, his hope is that we would all be his people. Mm-hmm. Yes. But that's a choice. Absolutely. And in this, David, it's evident, as you were pointing out, that David clearly made that choice, mm-hmm. that the Lord was his God, and he, David, was the Lord's servant. Mm-hmm. And we can all come into that. Mm-hmm. That's a choice that we can all make, is to come in and, and allow the Lord, let the Lord know, hey, we're a sinner. We haven't lived right and come into alignment with his plan mm-hmm. and it's not that you're making the lord the lord he is the lord whether mm-hmm. you choose to put him in that place or not but it is mm-hmm. an acknowledgement and a uh, a submission to lord i accept you as lord and savior that's faith that, mm-hmm. right there is faith mm-hmm. and then moving forward and Mm-hmm. In that relationship with the Lord. And, and it, he will do amazing things. I mean, let's look at what he's doing here. I mean, absolutely. even in, in the midst of David potentially being surrounded by his enemies, people that wanted to kill him, the Lord still provided. He still made a way. Mm-hmm. Where now the enemies had to pack up and go fight another battle. Mm-hmm. They're already tired. They're already running around. And now they're, they have to do something else. Where David and his people... Mm-hmm. escaped and, and not just escape and hey we made it out of there yay but it was celebrating and what the Lord did mm-hmm. absolutely you know you mentioned something about you know letting the Lord know coming to Christ right yes letting him know that you need him and once you come in and you make your once you come into the Lord right you you receive salvation you're not a sinner at that point. No. You may commit sin, but you are not a sinner. You right? are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. The child of the Most High God. Absolutely. So if you find yourself in a place that you have done wrong towards the Lord, you don't have to um, receive salvation over again. No. You repent and you move forward, and you ask him to forgive you, the Bible says he's faithful and just, right? When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our of sins. all unrighteousness. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness, absolutely. So making sure that you're not stuck in the cycle of re reworking <laughs> salvation, you're, you're getting saved every month. <laughs> every day you're praying that, the sinner's prayer. That's <laughs> not it. Work? Yeah, no. You don't have to do that. Once you, once you receive the Lord from a genuine, heartfelt place, you belong to him. He belongs to you. But it is up to you, if something happens, to come and make it right with the Lord. Right? To maintain yes. that relationship. Mm-hmm. And maintain it. Absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to say, honey? 
no, uh, let's pause there for today. Sounds good. And we'll resume again next time. All right. Who wants to close us out in prayer? Um, can I pray? You can. I will. Okay. Lord, you are so good. So good and such a mighty God. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Because you do all things well and you're so good to us, so kind to us. Your tender mercies and your loving kindness last for generations to generations, Lord. We ask you that if we've committed any sin, Lord God, if we've done anything knowingly or unknowingly, Lord, that you forgive us from all our sins, Lord God, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and also cleanse our conscience from dead works so that the, the memory and the remembrance of those sin and the stain that was there be washed away, Lord God, that we're able to open our eyes and look at you and see you with freshness, with new eyes, Lord God, for who you really are and where you really stand and how you feel about us. We thank you, Lord, and we know that when we make a request that you hear us, and if you hear us, we have our petitions, Lord God. We thank you for the forgiveness that belongs to us, and we freely forgive others, those around us, if they've offended us, if we have aught against anyone, we let them go, Jesus, because you paid the price for their sins just like you did for ours. Keep our feet from stumbling, Lord. Help us to walk upright before you all the days of our life, Lord Jesus. We thank you for understanding us, that you are not so far away. You understand the things that we go through, Lord. And you're also able to help us to overcome and conquer because you've already been tempted in every point like we are, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace, Lord God. Let the, your peace rest upon the minds of the people in this household, Lord God, and the hearers as well, and fill their households up with the fragrance of you, God. So much so that they can see you, they can hear you, they know that you're with them, God, and they can feel your presence with them, that you're guiding them, that you're for them and not against them, Jesus. We thank you for your divine protection. No weapon formed against them or us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up in condemnation, we will show in the wrong by our, our act, Lord God, by the way we carry ourselves and reflect and demonstrate your love. They'll know us by your love, Jesus, and our love that we have one for another. We thank you, Lord, that it is always speaking for us in every place that we go. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you, Jesus. We love you and we welcome you into our day. We thank you for guiding us into all truth and showing us things to come. We bless you, Lord, and we glorify you, Jesus. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, well, everybody have a wonderful day. We love you. God bless you. And God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.